Welcome to Policy Today. Thoughtful discussion of current issues vital to the future prosperity of Washington State. Produced by the Washington Research Council. Hi, this is Emily Makings with the Washington Research Council. I'm here with our president, Lou Moore, and our vice president for research and economist, Chris Schoblum. Today we're going to talk about aerospace tax incentives, including House Bill 2147. Lou, so you were down in Olympia last Friday. I was indeed, Emily. I was testifying uh, and registering my concern and the Research Council's concern over uh, Representative Robinson's bill, who happens to, by the way, be one of my state representatives from Everett, H.R. 2147, which would create a obligation on the part of Boeing. This is after they've already made an agreement with the state. This would be essentially breaking open the agreement and saying, now, in order to comply and receive the tax incentives that we agreed to two years ago in 2013, you'll have to maintain an employment level of 83,000 jobs, which is a level that Boeing is not even at right now. They're at about 80,000 jobs. And so I was very concerned about this for a number of reasons and thought that we should be represented down there uh, to testify. Chris, do you have any background on the tax incentives? Yes. Our listeners may remember that um, in 2003, um, the legislature came together in special session and passed a set of tax incentives for aerospace that were were put in place in order to win the competition for the location for the 787, a brand new airplane that Boeing was designing, the first airplane built primarily from plastics. Remember, at this time period, we were in the midst of an aerospace depression. The uh, 9-11 terror attacks and uh, resulting um, uh, disruption to uh, air travel had thrown um, the market for airplanes into a deep slump. Um, in the midst of this terrible cutback that Boeing was, un- was undergoing, they decided to make another one of those bet-the-company bets that they, they often do, sometimes in bad times, and to go forward with this revolutionary airplane. And that uh, since this airplane was unlike anything they'd built before, they were going to need to tool up a new plant for it, and they put that plant up for bid across the country. And uh, Washington's legislators stepped up, and uh, in the face of this tremendous competition, and uh, crafted a package of adjustments uh, to the Washington State Tax Code um, that would make it um, not as expensive for the state for Boeing to operate in this state. Uh, for a number of years, there have been comparisons floating around about how Washington was uh, taxing aerospace at a much higher rate than would be taxed in other places. I think legislators felt that Boeing was locked in because of their existing uh, operations here. But for the new type of airplane, that lock-in was nowhere nearly as strong, and it was felt uh, really time to take care of a bunch of problems that have been festering for a while. So the, they put in a set a package of incentives that would run uh, through the year 2024. And then in 2013, Boeing uh, announced that it was uh, going to... Uh, build a successor to the wildly popular 
777, the 777 airplane, was going to, uh, they were going to use fuselage much like the existing fuselage, but they were going to build brand new carbon fiber wings. Uh, and uh, they opened up labor negotiations with, uh, with the unions uh, so that to get some a period of labor peace here, which would allow them to go forward with the plane here rather than elsewhere. Uh, the state stepped up and, and sweetened uh, the incentives a little bit to help make the case for coming here. The figure of uh, $8.7 billion is thrown around uh, with the uh, November uh, 2013 tax incentive package, but almost all of that $8.7 billion um, will come from extending uh, the, uh, the tax rates that were scheduled to expire in 2024 out to 2040. In the short range, the only thing in the package was a, a sales tax break for the construction of a plant to make the new wings. Uh, something like uh, $20 million or so was all that was coming in there. So most of this was, was well in the future. Um, the legislature passed that package. Uh, things were in kind of in limbo for a while because the um, unions initially refused to make the concessions uh, to give the long-term agreement that Boeing required in order to go forward here. Finally, they, they did give those concessions and the package then became active. Actually, it will be active as soon as the uh, state certifies that the uh, commitment to build the wing plant here has been satisfied. Thank you. So back to the current times. Lou, how important is Boeing to Washington's economy? Well, it's uh, with 80,000 employees today, uh, it's estimated in aerospace that you have a three times multiplier. Actually, the, the number used is 3.96, but that essentially means that for every Boeing job, three other jobs are created in the state. So you're looking at 320,000 jobs in this state, a lot of those jobs being very well-paying jobs, particularly the ones at Boeing. And as Boeing representatives like to point out, these are family wage type jobs that in many cases you can get without you know, six years of college or even four years of college. And it's also the basis of manufacturing in our state. It's a whole nother element in the uh, array of employers that many states hardly even have now. I think for all those reasons, Boeing is very important to our economy. And, and looking at Chris is talking about the figure that some of the opponents of these tax incentives have used, that the, the state was granting $8.7 billion in concessions by signing this deal. But uh, OFM has estimated that this deal is going to bring in uh, $21 billion in new revenue, which is a figure that is not used uh, very often, but, but is their official estimate of the value of these tax concessions to the state and to the taxpayers. Chris, what would happen if Boeing left Washington? Well, as you say, the, as Lou was pointing out, the, the, the multiplier is just about, of Boeing jobs is just about four, meaning that for each Boeing job, there's a, an about three additional jobs that are, are created. Um, if you look at the total number of jobs that uh, we then associate with Boeing, it reflects uh, about close to 10% of the state's economy. If Boeing were to go into a a long decline here, slowly disinvesting from the state and moving jobs out, we would be in a period where essentially there would be very little net growth in employment here. 
and that would make things very difficult for folks. I think the further you get away from Seattle, the more difficult it becomes. Uh, Boeing's jobs are concentrated on the outer edges of the metropolitan area, not at the central core. So the bill that we're talking about, HB 2147, is related to job levels at Boeing. Why is the aerospace industry particularly ill-suited for a job level requirement? Emily, the aerospace industry, uh, Chris and I were discussing this the other day, and he actually pointed out a couple of things that I had not really thought of, although having grown up in a family where I had four cousins that worked at Boeing, I was very well aware of the fact that there is an up-and-down situation that is endemic to the aerospace industry. There are three particular cycles that are central to the industry. One is the uh, the cycle of demand for airplanes. The demand is not constant. These are, you know, these airplanes cost a lot of money, each one of them. And they'll get orders in bunches from nations or from airlines or from whoever. And so there is an up and down flow to these orders. So that's one cycle. The second cycle is the R&D and engineering cycle where there is a demand at the front end for uh, personnel that can figure out how to build a new plane or or adapt a design for a new plane and then the engineers that, that implement that. But that demand goes down as the plane goes into production. It doesn't stay as high as it was initially. So you have that cycle and then the third cycle is production. Production ramps up. You need more and more production personnel. But then as you're, as you're in production, you start figuring out how to produce more efficiently. So as you do that, you start not to need as many of these folks. And then, of course, uh, the cycle starts down, down the downside uh, uh, at some point or can if uh, order demand is down. So you have these three cycles in this interplay. As I commented in my testimony, I think it's... Uh, it's uh, hats off to Boeing that they've been able to kind of smooth out these cycles over the years. I mean, years and years ago, uh, uh, a lot of us who were familiar with the state uh, in the late 60s know there was a billboard in, uh, south of Seattle that says the last one leaving turn out the lights because Boeing was on a downturn and it was like a real downturn with a tremendous effect on the state. Well, we haven't had that severe of a downturn for a long time, but in fact, when these tax incentives went in uh, in 2004 for the 787, essentially the same tax incentives they've just extended, as Chris said, uh, there was only uh, 53,000 employees, and they went up to 83,000 between then and last year, but now they've receded a little bit, which is causing great angst among some of our friends in the labor movement and in uh, certain political circles, hence this bill. If the government is going to require an artificial level of employment, you have to stay at 83000 that is going to be a cost to Boeing, and that is not an incentive for them to stay here. So it works against the incentives that the uh, citizens through their representatives have given this company for the purpose of strengthening our economy. Anything to add, Chris? Well, ju- just a little bit in the, in the, in the recent past. Um, you know, we have benefited, the region has benefited from this cycle Lou was talking about. As, as the, the 787 came on, per, online for production, really close to the bottom of the Great Recession. And all of Boeing's the well-documented problems of, with that plane required them to throw people at the program. And in 2010, 2011, the employment being added 
to the uh, to deal with the production problems with the 787 was the great strength of our economy here. It's one of the reasons that we came out of the uh, out of the Great Recession um, faster and with a higher growth rate than the rest of the country. Now we benefited from that at the depths, and now uh, Boeing is in a position where it's it's disgorging some of that employment, allowing it to track back down to a more normal level. That's the normal ebb and flow of employment in aerospace. So, Lou, in your testimony, you also talked about issues of certainty and credibility that this bill would raise. Yeah, well, I think this is the bigger question. and uh, We're not just talking about Boeing, and we're not just talking about uh, tax incentives for aerospace. If the legislature sets a precedent where uh, the governor makes a deal with a company that's ratified by the legislature, and then a year later, the deal unravels because somebody doesn't like it. That's completely subversive to the whole idea of providing a tax incentive, which is is not just dollars. It's also providing certainty and stability in the planning of this company. And, of course, in the case of Boeing, they have a very long time horizon with what they do and the complexity of their production. And to do this long-term planning, they're counting on certain tax levels. So this calls into question the credibility of the state, the credibility of the governor who ostensibly is out as a marketeer trying to bring other folks into this state. And all these things will be, have, I think there'll be some significant negative consequences if uh, by any means this ends up to become law because it says when we make a deal, it means nothing. This bill effectively repeals not just the 2013 bill, but the 2003 bill. Yeah, no, no, that's correct, because the, the levels are the same. And, uh, and the other thing, there's a basic issue of fairness. When the 2004 tax incentives went into place, uh, there were 53,000 Boeing jobs. Well, with those incentives, among other reasons, they went up to 83,000 jobs. That's a wildly successful tax incentive program, by the way I would look at it. So I don't think it's fair to begin measuring job levels several years later when there has been a slight downturn. You know, hopefully the, the job levels will increase. Another thing about this that I wasn't aware of until I was down uh, in Olympia Friday, Boeing's employment worldwide has been contracting. So the percentage of Boeing employees that are in Washington State has been rising pretty dramatically. And the, the union and some of the folks that were supporting this bill were bringing people up to the witness table, very sincere, who were talking about right where they work. Some job went to Oklahoma or some job was eliminated or a job went somewhere else. And th that's anecdotal information. And I'm sure, and for the folks that were laid off, I'm sure that's a, a very traumatic situation for them individually. But the big picture is Boeing has a higher percentage of folks in Washington state now than they've had for a long time. Very interesting. On the related bill, HB 1786, did either of you have anything you wanted to add about that? That was another bill that, that was before uh, the Finance Committee in the House uh, on the same day. It essentially sets up a minimum wage for any aerospace company that's getting the aerospace uh, tax incentives. It's not really as applicable to Boeing as it is to a lot of the suppliers who are even down to the mom-and-pop small, small business level. And uh, it would require essentially a $19 an hour minimum wage uh, for all those folks, which uh, 
I think a little bit of reflection uh, would indicate that might not be the greatest idea in the world either. But I did not comment on that bill. Yeah, this is one of those bills where the unintended consequences are likely to be very large. Well, thank you both very much. This is Emily Makings with the Washington Research Council, here with Lou Moore and Chris Schoblum. Policy Today is a production of the Washington Research Council, dedicated to providing timely, credible research and policy analysis supporting economic vitality and private sector job creation. For more information, go to researchcouncil.org.